0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It is time.
1: It is time. They can't be the hackers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're going to do something different today. I'm finding as I talk to a lot of folks that they are not keeping up to date with what's going on at Packers OTAs. So, let's get caught up. Romeo Dobbs is the big talking point right now. He's looking fantastic so far seems to have really developed a ton of chemistry with Jordan Love. He's being called Jordan Love's go-to wide receiver. and obviously, uh, I think Christian Watson probably can really still be relied on to be the big play guy in this offense. I think in terms of explosive passing or even rushing plays, I think that his usage is still going to go up, not down but there's something to be said for just being on the same page with your quarterback. And that does appear to be where Romeo Dobbs is at. Here's a quote uh, from Jordan love on Romeo Dobbs. When in doubt, you can throw it out there and you know, he Romeo is going to make a play. It builds my confidence in him. I think the way things are shaping up right now, and obviously there's a long way to go before the first game of the year but I'm starting to get the sense that Romeo Dobbs is going to take over the Devontae Adams role in this offense. Now, don't take that out of context. Don't rush to social media and say, JJ Leahy said Romeo is going to be the next Devontae Adams. It's about responsibilities. It's about usage. Obviously, he's got a very long way to go before you can make comparisons between his abilities and those of Devante's. But in terms of usage, I I think Romeo Dobbs maybe is going to get a lot of uh, time kind of just as that just primary X receiver and even, even taking some snaps out of the slot. He didn't do a ton of that last year, but you know, in terms of running a bunch of slant routes, it seems like Jordan love is comfortable hitting guys uh, in the middle of the field. Certainly maybe more so than how we picture Rodgers doing, although the stats don't necessarily bear out that he, uh, was avoiding the middle of the field as much as we, you know, sort of recall. But I think you're going to see a lot of crossing routes for, uh, you know, slant routes for Romeo Dobbs. Kind of a chain mover possession guy, I would expect with the way that things are shaping up that the most likely outcome is Romeo Dobbs will be wide receiver one in terms of targets. He'll be the most targeted wide receiver in this Packers offense. I still think Christian Watson probably surpasses him in total yards, maybe even in touchdowns as well. And I would expect probably a significantly higher yards per reception for Christian Watson compared to Romeo Dobbs. But the majority of those targets are probably going to go to Dobbs. Seems like um we're hearing less and less about Drops, which is obviously that was a, a big storyline last summer with Romeo Dobbs. Seems like we're hearing about that less. That he's more of a reliable, consistent target for Jordan, and that obviously can only be a good thing. Um As those two guys develop that rapport and start to create the sort of mind meld that – you know, you, you're used to seeing in Green Bay between QB one and wide receiver one. So very exciting. Obviously, uh, looking forward to seeing what that year two leap looks like for Christian Watson as well. But for Romeo Dobbs seems like he picked up right where he left off pre injury last year and then maybe has taken a significant step forward in his understanding of Matt LaFleur's uh, offense and his rapport with his quarterback. So um, pretty exciting to hear that. And Jordan Love is, has talked about the uh, growth there between those two guys having to do with confidence and uh, a, a security in each other. And, of course, he believes that Dobbs is very talented as well.
0: Amazing the jump that you see from guys from year one to, in, into year two in terms of just the overall knowledge and then they have to go apply that and, and bring it to the field and I think you know Rome when he first got here he started off really strong and I thought he was having an outstanding season and then unfortunately he, he got injured versus Detroit and I think that you know affected him it affected all of us and um so it's good to see him kind of pick up where he was at at, at one time and uh, very encouraged by his progress his, and just his overall knowledge. He, you can tell he feels comfortable. I think really all the guys that were a part of it last year that were rookies, it's, it's amazing how much or how far they've come up to this point.
1: If you didn't recognize the voice, of course, that is Matt LaFleur. Okay, of course, Luke Musgrave, the rookie tight end, is another guy who has been stealing a lot of attention and some big plays. Uh it seems like Dobbs and Musgrave so far are the face of the offense, at least as far as we've gotten here in June. Long way to go. Again, huge disclaimer uh before any real football is played. But another rookie who has impressed, at least to some extent, Sean Clifford, uh, fifth-round rookie quarterback from Penn State, a guy that not a lot of folks were excited about, seems to be doing a decent job so far. Via Rob Domofsky, Sean Clifford might have run one of the best two-minute OTA drills by a rookie fifth-round pick. Hit Jeff Cotton for an eight-yard touchdown on fourth down. General consensus among a lot of draft analysts, such as NFL.com's Lance Zerline, was that Sean Clifford was considered more of a priority undrafted free agent, rather than maybe a fifth-round value. However, by the time the Packers were on the clock uh, with that fifth-round pick, ten quarterbacks had already been selected, and the Packers did not feel very confident enrolling with just Danny Etling as the uh, backup quarterback candidate. The uh, free agent market for backup quarterbacks also just was not looking very favorable for the Packers. Seems like there were several other quarterback options that they were interested in prior to Clifford. But then by the time they selected him, Certainly there were some guys with some more notable names left, but not anybody that the Packers liked better than the incredibly intelligent Clifford, um, who seems to already have a pretty firm grasp on what the expectations are for him in this offense. Matt LaFleur seems pleased with what he's seen so far. Quote, he's done some nice things. He's a young quarterback. We've thrown a lot of these guys Specifically with that position, obviously, Jordan's getting the bulk of the reps, and Sean has been splitting the second reps with Danny. So there are very limited reps for these guys. But I think he's done a nice job, and certainly in the two-minute drill there at the end of practice, I thought he did a nice job getting completions and taking a few chances and made some throws. Matt LaFleur, former uh, longtime quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator now, uh, offensive-minded head coach for the Packers, not only oversaw the resurgence of Aaron Rodgers' career, he also uh, was present in Los Angeles during uh, Jared Goff's better years as a quarterback there. And, of course, he was the quarterback coach in Atlanta for Matt Ryan's MVP season. He has a lot of experience of elevating quarterbacks beyond what they have done in the surrounding years. All right, so, you know, Matt Ryan was better when LaFleur was there than he was the year before LaFleur got there and the year after LaFleur left. Same exact situation with Jared Goff in L.A. So uh, definitely a guy to listen to when he says this next part about Sean Clifford. I do think he's an NFL draft pick. He's a talented player, definitely a talented player, end quote. Let's so talk about Tariq Carpenter, the uh, hybrid safety linebacker. He's moved around quite a bit. Uh, sometimes that is a bad sign if uh, the team is struggling to find a spot where they think that my uh, guy is going to actually have a job. Uh, with Tariq, I'm not sure if it's a good sign or a bad sign, but he is officially no longer a safety. He's listed as a linebacker on the Packers' official roster, um, has been practicing with both the safeties and the linebackers, but he's also been getting some significant looks in their special teams drills. Obviously, this is kind of a big opportunity here for Tariq to prove that he needs to be on this roster. Uh, they do still have three unsigned draft picks at this point. Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, and Jaden Reed. So they are not completely full on the roster, but it is very close to getting to the point where somebody like Tariq would historically be one of the first guys out the door if Brian Gutekind wants to bring in a new face, a.k.a a later round pick from previous seasons who has not you know exactly showed out a ton on the field. So uh these are are certainly important opportunities here that Tariq is being given. Um this uh opportunity at linebacker could be interesting Lafleur said uh, that he's been at linebacker predominantly the entire offseason, and then they moved him to linebacker because they felt that it was in his best interest. They had seen his value on special teams and the impact he could make there. They were trying to see how they could get him on the field in any way on defense. So, hence the official uh, move. If he's going to make the roster as a linebacker, He's going to be competing with Eric Wilson, who was a phenomenal special teamer for the Packers last year. In fact, one of the highest graded special teamers in all NFL football last season. I think maybe he finished as the number one and number two highest graded special teams player in, in the entire NFL. Uh, and then Isaiah McDuffie would be the other linebacker, middle linebacker in that room. Typically, the Packers don't keep five middle linebackers, so McDuffie or Wilson probably would be the guys he is gunning for at this point. Of course, kicker Mason Crosby no longer with the team, uh, and uh, Packernet has known this for a while, but he has moved his family down to Tennessee, uh, and the news that we've heard is that he is trying to uh, maybe being in a position to play for the Titans or the Saints this season. So he did sell his house in Green Bay uh just last month. So uh, very sad to see that. Obviously, we all love Mason Crosby. Uh, Brian Gutekunst did mention uh, around the draft that the door was not completely closed on possibly bringing Mason back. Seems like Mason does not share that feeling. A couple of upcoming events in August. The Packers will be hosting Family Night on August fifth. They also have a joint practice with the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, they've done these multiple times in the last few years. Uh, I think last year was the Saints, and it's an interesting experience for sure. I think the Bengals will be fun. Of course, this. Uh, joint practice is not going to be in Green Bay this year. It'll be in Cincinnati. So the team will practice on uh, Tuesday, August 8th, and fly to Cincinnati that night. And they will be in Cincinnati for three days, the 9th through the 10th, for practices. And then on the 11th, they will have their first preseason game. That's Friday, August 11th couple more young defenders who have been turning heads. C.V., that's Carrington Valentine, LaFleur calls him C.V., uh, has so far had a pretty good offseason. He's been impressing Matt LaFleur. Uh, he did lead uh, Kentucky last year with 10 pass breakups in just 12 games. Pretty good. Uh, according to PFF, he allowed 36 catches on 65 targets. Uh, he played 375 total snaps. He did have one interception that he caught and then three more that he dropped. Of course, he's going to be pushing for a uh, depth spot, primarily a special team spot most likely on the initial 53-man roster. I think with the way that Goodkins does things, I think Carrington has a pretty good chance of making that roster and it's nice to see a guy with some ball skills here. Maybe if you get in a situation where he does have to actually go out there and play some defense, maybe you feel confident in him, especially um, given the situation we're in here where uh, Eric Stokes is still recovering from a pretty horrific injury last year. Uh, I certainly don't expect him to be playing any NFL football at least in, you know, the first third or half of the season, I, you know, we're not entirely sure where the state of his injury is at, but, um, just in, in terms of the fact that back in January, which is just five short months ago, he wasn't even able to walk. I, I just, I have, I really question how soon he's going to get back on the playing field. And I think that for him to step foot on an NFL playing field at all, 2023 should be considered a miracle. So you're looking at Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas as your top two guys. So where does that leave a guy like Shamar Jean Charles, Corey Ballantyne? I think it probably leaves them behind Carrington Valentine in terms of likelihood of making the roster this year. Uh, Over the last couple of years, Goody has prioritized getting all of his uh, draft picks for that for the rookie season on the 53 uh, and, and with the fact that Carrington is already seems to have impressed Matt LaFleur to the point where he's calling him out um, to to praise a, a great day that he had in um, just the first eight practices of um, the off season. that's a fantastic sign for his odds of making the roster so um, very encouraging for him uh, Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden seem to be on the right track so far. Uh, Kenny Clark was singling them out as, um, you know, guys who are acclimating. Well, Kenny said, Colby's been doing good from day one. He's been coming in and he learned the playbook pretty fast. Learned past tense. Love to hear that. He's having a good OTA. We just need to stay on top of him and keep going. Uh, regarding Brooks, Uh, he did have against the, uh, team's second string offense in a drill. He did have, you know, what would have gone down for a sack had he been allowed to hit the quarterback. Uh, Brooks obviously, his biggest strength in college was his pass rush ability. Has always been somewhat of a liability in run defense. Uh, so we'll have to see what sort of, uh, plays he makes when he's given the opportunity on run defense seems like these guys are going to be positioning themselves to get some playing time this year. Uh, I've heard a lot of people bemoan the uh, depth at uh, defensive line and, you know, really single that out as a position that they're worried about. I kind of just don't see that myself. Uh, seems to me to be one of the deeper rooms, but maybe I just have a higher opinion of, of the players um, in that room than other people. I, I know that a lot of, uh, fans and commentators have some concern over the losses of Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed. Personally, I don't think that, uh, Jaron Reed was any kind of an asset last year. I think he was borderline replacement level. And if anything, I think having him stealing snaps away from Devonte Wyatt was a significant negative for the defense last year. So, not remotely disappointed to see him gone. Dean Lowry, I always liked a little bit more than most fans, but I don't think that I need to go into any detail at all regarding what caliber of a player he is or whether you as a fan should be concerned that he's not here anymore. I think that the defensive line is going to be fine. Lucas Van Ness has been getting some reps in OTAs as um a starting Pass rusher opposite Preston Smith. You love to see that. I think, you know, Lucas, obviously very intelligent, very physical, um, but he's he's so far has always been kind of just a brute strength power-through type of guy, not as much finesse. And I think that's gonna be where he is going to have the most opportunity over the next couple seasons to really elevate his game. Uh, but for now, it's cool to see him getting these opportunities. We're still not sure where Rashawn Gary is at. He has not really been um, participating in any of the practices still in rehab from his ACL. Is he going to be playing at all in the first half of this season remains to be seen. I'm optimistic that he might get some playing time in the first eight games, but obviously with an ACL, Uh, I don't think expectations should be very high for Rashawn until 2024. In 2024, I think he will be back to where he was at pre-injury. But 2023, you know, we may be looking at a little bit more of the situation we had last year with Elton Jenkins, where first half of the season, yes, Elton Jenkins was out there, was playing, and it was terrible. And you were frustrated. (laughs) And I, I don't think anybody last year was on the, oh, we should cut Elton train or, you know, not give him an extension. But there was just an understanding among everybody that, hey, we've seen Elton Jenkins before. This is not Elton Jenkins. This is the shell of Elton Jenkins. By the end of last season, he was really coming back more into his own. And I think that the move back to his, uh, you know, more natural position at left guard helped a lot there. That was something I always said. The entire offseason last year was where he needed to start out. I said, don't freaking put him at tackle. Certainly not at right tackle. Keep him on the inside where there's less pressure on his recovering knee. Um, there's uh, less pressure for him to be perfect. Keep him on the inside, and that is where he ended up flourishing. Sounds like that's where he's going to stay this year, by the way, Elton. Um, sure seems like left tackle and left guard are really set in stone. Right tackle, obviously the top two guys competing for that job are Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. Starting to look like Zach Tom might take that. I I don't know. I I don't view Zach Tom as a right side offensive lineman at all. Um, Seems to me that he does a lot better on the left side. And then as far as what you're looking for in an offensive tackle, I just don't know that's his best strength. Can he do it? Probably, but I think he can be a much better left tackle or left guard. Honestly, if you're going to shuffle things all around, obviously you would want to keep Bakhtiari at left tackle. I think I would be more tempted to try Elton back at right tackle again now that he's fully healthy, maybe put him at center. If you're going to put him at center, I think Josh Myers maybe projects fine as a right guard. It's not really something he's done. He's kind of only ever been a center, but could he handle right guard? Quite possible. And if so, I think, you know, from a physical standpoint, I think that, that, uh, he would be the best candidate over anybody else that you would be considering putting at that spot, which would leave John Runyon maybe out in the cold. As it stands, I think John Runyon probably has the inside track on being the right guard this year. Uh, he's just not gonna get his left guard job back again unless they move Elton to, you know, center or right tackle. Seems like Runyon's gonna be stuck at right guard, which is fine. He did fine there last year. Uh, But I think overall you should have a pretty significant level of confidence in this offensive line. Seems like they have six or maybe even seven guys that you really wish were out there full time. And that's really good news when you only have five jobs you're trying to fill. So that has been the uh, latest headlines for Green Bay Packers OTAs. Make sure you're checking Packernet.com every single day for your latest headlines and all the best news around the NFL. Follow me on Twitter at JJLahey, L-A-H-E-Y, to stay up to date on all things Packers or submit questions for this podcast. You'll have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you next week here on the Packernet Podcast Network.